That was a good, uh, a good uh, thought uh, right before the service. Emmanuel, uh, God uh, with us. We'll actually look at that uh, verse today. As I start off, I do want to uh, just share a fun story with you as, as we think about the Christmas time. Uh, the cat had an obsession with the Christmas tree. The entire holiday season, it was um, a miserable job to keep the cat out of the tree. Thankfully, it was Christmas Eve and the tree would be coming down soon. However, it was then that the oversized barn cat decided it was time to wage war. Unfortunately, the tree stand wasn't up to the added weight of the tomcat. It came crashing to the ground with a thunderous boom. Upon hearing the resounding crash, the entire family woke. The living room looked like a Christmas wasteland with ornaments rolling under the couch and the tree crushing the presents. The cat slinked away under the radar to pick the pine needles out of its fur. Bobby, the youngest, looked at his mom in wonder. Dad was right, Mom. Santa thought your Christmas tree was ugly, too. Of course, the real reason is not, uh, real reason for the season and for Christmas is not uh, Santa and Christmas trees and Christmas presents. Those are all uh, traditions uh, that we have during the Christmas time, but it's not really the real reason for Christmas. And so today we want to do, we want to focus on the real reason for the season, the fact that Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, uh, came to earth God wrapped himself in human flesh and came to mankind. So what we want to do is we want to start off with Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. Notice this in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18, and it says this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord uh, appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for, what, uh, for that which is conceived in her from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Let's stop there. We'll ask the Lord's blessing upon our time. Lord, we do thank you for another opportunity to gather together as your church, to gather together to have fellowship, to gather together to worship you and in the holiday season, Lord, the Christmas season is such a special time, especially for us as Christians, thinking about the fact that you came down to man. And so, Lord, as we focus on the Christmas story today and, and we think about uh, what you have done for us, may you put just joy and hope in our hearts as we again reflect on the great gift that you have given to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Today I've entitled my message, God's Promised Hope. And uh, Steve talked about uh, Christmas will be here before we know it. 
And believe it or not, after today, three weeks, and it'll be Christmas. So Christmas falls on a Sunday this year. There's only four Sundays in December. So after today, we got three Sundays until Christmas. It is really right around the corner. It'll be here before we know it. And uh, for our family, we start planning a couple of months before uh, Christmas hits and know, okay, where, do we, where are we going to be? What are we going to be doing? Um, uh, what, what are we going to be doing with our family? And so we start planning out. Uh, I know some of you may even plan earlier than two months uh, before. Maybe you plan uh, six months or maybe even a year before. Maybe after Christmas ends one year, you're already planning the next year's Christmas, maybe. And then I know there's some of you that it's like, Wait, wait, Christmas is on Sunday? Oh, I got to get down the ball here. And then you start throwing some things together. You go Christmas shopping and, and all of that. So some of you wait to, uh, till the last second. And, and really, as we think about the Christmas story, as we think about the birth of Jesus Christ, I am reminded, I am reminded that the Lord did not wait until a couple of weeks before Christmas to have the birth of his son. He didn't wait a year before Christmas to have the birth of his son. But instead, really, as, as God had planned out uh, the season we call the Christmas season, it was before the foundations of the earth were laid that God had a rescue plan, that God had a redeemer. Paul says this, he says this, Blessed be the God of our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ in every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. God already had a rescue plan for me and for you before we were ever created. Before the foundations of the world were established, God had a rescue plan. And so notice again, uh, what Paul says there. He says, before, before the foundations of the world. And so he prepared a redeemer, a savior, before we ever knew as mankind or as individuals that we would need a redeemer. And so with that in mind, I want to start a new series uh, for this Christmas time. And this is the, the, the name of the series, The Promise of Christmas. The promise of Christmas. Because really the Christmas season and the birth of Jesus Christ was not an accident. And it wasn't kind of like on a whim. The Lord wasn't scratching his head thinking, you know, how can I solve this, this sin problem? Instead, God already had a solution to the sin problem. And so when we look at the Old Testament, when we look at the New Testament, as a matter of fact, even what we just focused on this morning with the special music and uh, what I read for us is a quote from the Old Testament. That, that behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. That is something that was prophesied in the Old Testament that came about in the New Testament. God already had a plan in place. And so what we're going to be looking over the next couple of weeks is we're going to be uh, looking at a New Testament, a, a uh, Christmas, part of the Christmas story, and then we're going to go back to the Old Testament and say, okay, did God promise that? And then we're going to look forward back to the New Testament. We're going to say God fulfilled that. 
And so oftentimes, as, as I've focused over the years, I've focused on the Christmas story, or I've focused uh, simply on the Christmas story, or I've focused on maybe the gospel accounts of the Christmas story, or the characters of the Christmas story. Uh, but this year, I want to focus on the promises of the Christmas story. What was revealed to us in the Old Testament that was completed uh, during that Christmas story, that birth of Jesus Christ. And for that, I wanted to start with hope. And so that's the title of my message. The title of my message is God's Promised Hope. And really, from the very beginning and, and throughout the Old Testament into the New Testament, we see kind of this, this repeated theme that there was, even though mankind was kind of in a hopeless state, God had hope prepared for mankind. And so what we want to do is we want to go back, we want to see mankind's state prior to Christmas. And so flip back to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 this morning. I want to focus on Genesis chapter 3 and think about where we were prior to the Christmas story and really where we are if the Christmas story never happened. Because really, we would be without hope. But because of the Christmas story, we have hope. So look at uh, verse 1. This is uh, Genesis 3.1, and it says this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field, and the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of the tree in the garden? All right, verse number 1 tells us that that when Satan chose kind of his instrument to be able to tempt Eve, he, created, or he, he, uh, he chose something that was crafty, it was tricky, it was kind of like, uh, like a con artist. And so something that uh, was, could, was wise, was smart, that could trick Adam and Eve. And so really as a serpent tempted Adam and Eve, he did this. He tempted Adam and Eve to think about thinking independently from God's commands and God's promises. And so we see this throughout what his temptation is to, to Eve as he's speaking to Eve. And so look at verse 4. And he says this, you will not surely die. And so, so first of all, the serpent says, oh, God's lying to you. Don't believe God. Think independently from God you will not surely die. And then he goes on to say this in verse 5, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so this is the second thing that, that really the serpent tempted Adam and Eve with was, first of all, you can't trust God. And then second of all, God doesn't want you to be happy. And so the temptation was this, you need to start thinking independently from God's commands and God's promises. Don't think about what God's told you and what God told you would happen. Instead, think about yourself. Think about what you would like to have happen. And of course, many of us know the story of the fall of mankind. And very sadly, as, as the serpent did tempt Adam and Eve, then instead of choosing to obey his command, Adam, the first man, and Eve, the first woman, 
chose to accept independence from God. They chose to think independently from God's command and God's promise. And so we see that fulfilled in verse 6. And so notice in that very next verse it says this. And so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of it. I took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And so we call this the fall of, of mankind. This is when they began to think independently from God's command and God's promise. They began to think to themselves, maybe this would make me better, and this is what I want. That was the temptation. Isn't this what you want? Think about yourself. And, and we're reminded, and we focused on this earlier this year, in Genesis 1.31, at the, at the end of creation, the Bible says this, and God saw everything that he had made, including man, and behold, it was very good. And, and what we said when, when we read that uh, several months back is that when God finished creation, he said it was very good from top to bottom and from left to right, that no matter where you went on the earth, it was very good, including man. But then we come to chapter 3 and we find out that although man was created very good, they became broken because of their choice to disobey. And so we call that the fall of mankind. And after the fall, we see that first time that man is fearful of God. Because remember, prior to the fall... Adam and Eve walked with God. They had regular fellowship with God. They were excited to see God. But after the fall, we read this in verse 9. The Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So for the very first time, Adam and Eve, they're experiencing a fear towards God. They're experiencing uh, this, this sense of being ashamed before God. And why? Because they, for the first time, thought independently from that command and that promise they thought that they would be happy if they chose their own way, but what they found out was that actually made them fearful and broken. And for the first time, mankind really felt not hope, but they actually felt hopeless as they stood before God. They felt depressed or, uh, yeah, depressed or despair as they stood before God. They were ashamed and they were afraid. And truly, as we think about it, the sin passing to mankind, now as we think about who God is, the fact that He is holy, the fact that He is righteous, the fact that He is just, we too stand before God in a hopeless state, realizing that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. But of course we know that's not the end of the story, right? 
And so Genesis is really just the beginning of the Bible story. It's just the beginning of, of what is going to happen through the Bible. Because in Genesis chapter 3, although we see kind of a hopeless state in Genesis chapter 3, we also see a promise of hope in Genesis chapter 3. And so notice there in verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise, uh, I'm sorry, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now this is a promise found really in a time where God is showing his, his just, no, his um, justice. And so after he kind of asks Adam and Eve some questions, and he says, have you eaten of the fruit? And, and does he know the answer to the question? He does. He knows that they have eaten of the fruit. But what he's doing is he's asking them a question to have them be honest and to really own up to their sin. And they say, yeah, we've, we've done that. And then he turns to the serpent and, and really says, because of what you have done, these are the consequences And so he lays out many consequences for the serpent, and then he turns uh, to Adam and Eve, and he gives them the consequences. But I want to focus on not the consequences, but the hope this morning. Again, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. Notice, her offspring. He shall bruise your head The question is always, okay, who is that he? And, of course, we know that answer. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise uh, his heel. Now, this is the first glimpse of hope, really in a chapter full of sadness and heartache and despair. There is this light of hope, this glimmer of hope, and this is the hope that God gives that one day there will be a man born of a woman. That that man will strike a death blow to sin and to Satan. That that death blow will cause pain and suffering, that they, you, uh, you shall bruise his hill, but he will come back to life. He will have victory over death. This will not be a final blow. There's a there's a story of a of a rancher and and uh, that rancher uh, jumped out of the truck to to open up that that pasture gate that pasture gate, and um, as he jumped out, all of a sudden he began to hear a rattlesnake in the in the grass there. And so he he stood very still, looking around in the grass to see if he could spot that rattlesnake. And uh, he began to feel the rattlesnake moving underneath his boot. And so he had a couple of of choices. He had a a choice of, okay, I could jump out of the way and potentially get out of the range of the rattlesnake and potentially save my life. Or I could begin to jump up and down and stomp the rattlesnake and hopefully stun it or kill it before it struck me. And so this, this young man, he wasn't in, in California, I believe he was in Texas, he began to uh, jump up and down, and uh, he did kill that snake. 
And so as we think about that, that illustration that that young man did, uh, it dealt a death blow to that snake. And that is the illustration that we get here in Genesis chapter 3. That one day there would be a man born that would give a death blow to Satan and to sin. And that man was Jesus Christ. So that takes us back to where we find ourselves here in our opening text, Matthew 1, 21. So flip back in your Bible, go back to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. The angel tells Joseph something, and we want to focus on the three hopes that the angel tells Joseph about this Redeemer, about this offspring of a woman who will bruise the head of Satan, that will bruise the head of sin. And so notice here in verse 21, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. What a fitting name for the Savior. That name Jesus means Yahweh saves or Jehovah saves. And so, Jesus is the idea of Savior, and it goes on to say this, for He will save His people from their sins. Now, who will be saved? All who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so, Jesus Christ came to save. And so, the very first thing that we need to know about God's hope is that God's promised hope is Jesus. God's promised hope is Jesus. It's not by me re, re, refining my life and, 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 and getting some bad things out of my life and making myself a better person, making my, myself a better community person or, or a better husband or a better father. Uh, that's not the hope that we have. Instead, the hope is in Jesus Christ. And this is what Paul says, talking about that hope in Jesus Christ. He says this, for the gift, for the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, going back to what we just read in Genesis chapter 3, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abound for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment followed one trespass brought condemnation. So we saw that. The fact that uh, there was consequences to Adam and Eve's actions. One of those consequences, one of those promises, was that if you ate of the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you would for surely die. Adam and Eve died, and death passed to all mankind. As well as not only physical death, but spiritual death. So there was consequences for our sin. But notice, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Now again, what is justification? Justification is the fact that before God, we are justified, or we could say God sees us as never having a trespass, never having a sin. So even though we have trespassed many times, before God in Christ, we are justified why? Because God sees us through Christ. 
And so that very first hope that we have, God's promised hope, is Jesus Christ. Not because of my righteousness, not because of my justification, but because of Christ's righteousness. And His righteousness justifies me before God. So that very first thing, God's promised hope is Jesus. The second thing we learn about the angel's proclamation is found in verse 22. So look at verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord God had spoken by the prophet. Notice what is recorded for us, what the Lord had spoken. Now, we looked at the fact that it was the, uh, the prophet that, it, that had spoken, but, or, or uh, we, we think about the reference that was recorded by the prophet, but it simply was God who had spoken. And this tells us this, God's promised hope was intentional. God's promised hope was intentional. You know, the unbelieving world would like us to believe that we are here by a number of random events, that we are here by by a cosmic accident, that if you just throw the dice randomly enough times, you get what we have here today, life. And so the unbelieving world would like to think that we are here by a a series of random events. But I am here to tell you that the hope of the Christmas story is not a random event. God was intentional when he sent his son to be the savior of the world. Because God knew what we needed. He knew we were broken people. He knew we needed a redeemer, a savior. And so God's promised hope was intentional. It was not an accident. God chose to extend his hand to mankind, though mankind rebelled against him. God chose to save us. So number one today, we think about Jesus Christ is the hope, God's promised hope. We see that from the Old Testament account there in that promise in Genesis chapter 3. When we look at that next promise, we are reminded that it was intentional. As a matter of fact, that very first verse that we looked at this morning, there from what Paul said, that your salvation, that God chose you before the foundations of the earth. So God already had a rescue plan. His hope was intentional. And then look at the very next verse in verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That third thing we see today is that God brought hope to mankind. He didn't deliver hope in in the form of, of an animal. The animal pointed to what would happen in the future, that Jesus Christ would be the perfect Lamb of God. So, God brought hope to mankind. This hope we have in Christ, God's promise of salvation through faith in the work of the cross. Christmas isn't about Christmas trees and Santa. Christmas is about God bringing hope to mankind when mankind needed it. And so, God left heaven and he wrapped himself in human flesh, and he brought hope to mankind. Even though we were enemies of God because of our sin, 
God extended his hand to his creation. As we start the Christmas season, we are reminded that the hope of the Christmas story, outside of Christ, we are hopeless, but in Christ, we are children of God. John goes on to say this in John 3, 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And so uh, we have hope in Christ. And we need to remember that people around us also need that hope. John, in that very first chapter, he says this, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You know, we have the message of hope, that Christmas message that brings hope. And I hope today, or I hope this month, well, today included, but the rest of this month, that we'll take that opportunity to share that hope of Christmas uh, with those around us. We have hope, but there are other people around us that also need that hope. Whether it be our neighbors, whether it be our family members, whether it be our co-workers, why not share with them what Jesus Christ has done for him? That great gift, that unspeakable gift that God has given to us as mankind. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, as we think about that, this very first thing, that... that we, we see creation, and everything that you created was very good. From top to bottom, mankind was created in a very good state. But by Genesis chapter 3, we find out that mankind, Adam and Eve, chose to think independently from your command and your promise. They began to think about themselves rather than thinking about you, and that sin passed to all mankind. But Lord, I am so thankful for what you have done for us in Jesus Christ. That even though we have trespassed many times, that we are justified because of Christ. That he is our hope. He is our savior. He is our redeemer. Lord, as we sing Christmas carols this Christmas season, as, as we read the Christmas story, as, as we hear Christmas messages... May we be reminded over and over and over again of the hope that we have in Christ. May we remember the real reason for the season. The fact that Jesus Christ came to give us hope. And so thank you, Lord, for all that he has done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.